Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Listening, hear me. I may not pass this way again. Hello and welcome to the Robert Lane Creative Careers Podcast, the podcast about creativity and making a living in the arts. This episode of the podcast features a conversation with technical producer for BBC Comedy and Music, Mark Wilcox. I'm on a mission to help you unlock your creativity. I'm sharing my journey as a musician, actor and writer, as well as offering online content like guitar and songwriting tutorials and chat about creativity. I'm doing this because I know how important creativity is for mental health, and I believe everyone has a creative spirit. I want to help you find yours. Join me at robertlanemusic.co.uk and on social media as Robert Lane Music. Thank you. Hi, Mark. How are you? I'm well, Robert. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for chatting to me. Have I interrupted anything important to talk to you today? No, not at all. I actually had the day off today um, because we were supposed to be going down to Southampton this weekend to stay in a little cottage near our youngest daughter who's at university in Southampton. She's only been there for a couple of weeks. But obviously because of lockdown and COVID, that's all gone away. Um, but it's all right. It means that I've now got a nice long weekend to, and it's actually my birthday on Monday. So, Oh, it's birth- my birthday a couple of weeks ago on the There 12th. you go. If all I'd known that, birthdays. I would have brought a cake and we could have <laughs> eaten it remotely over this Zoom that we're doing. Uh, but, oh, well, happy birthday to you. Thank you. And to you. Job title now is technical producer, um, but it has been for years until quite recently studio manager, which is a kind of glorified sound technician. Um, but they changed our job title um, a couple of years ago to technical producer because we're doing, especially now in lockdown, we're doing so much more sort of editorial stuff and, and much more of an input into the program rather than just sitting there with mixing with the faders and stuff, which is cool. Um, but the the main thing for me this year has been the virtual audiences thing. I don't know if you're aware of that. <gasps> Because that—that's—that's that's my that's the biggest feather in my cap, I would say, um, is is what we're obviously in um, in normal times. I make all the big audience shows, like um, the Radio Four shows, mostly mm-hmm. like just a minute, news quiz, now show, Dead Ringers, all of those silly things, and come. February, March time, everything stopped, obviously, as everything did. Um, and shows like The Now Show, which is Steve Punt, Hugh Dennis, if you know that, um, they went online. And well, we did one show in the radio theatre, which is our big theatre in the broadcasting house, um, without an audience. And it was all right, it was a strange experience. Um, but then they took, they put it online. Uh, and they did it in like a Zoom thing and just recorded them without an audience. And um, that was fine. Slightly took it out of our hands uh, because they got a couple of freelancers to sort of spearhead that. Meanwhile, um, some incredibly clever colleagues of mine who actually work in um, news OBs, news outside broadcast, um, built an incredible piece of kit called Pre-Rec, um, which is a way to record people remotely, but in a sort of multi-track way, mm. um, which is brilliant. There are some things. There's a thing called Clean Feed, which is a, a way that you can record everyone remotely, but um, it didn't quite do what we wanted it to do. Uh, so we built, I say we, they built it, um, this new one, which is really, really clever. So everyone... Um, uh, everyone joins a Chrome browser, mm-hmm. and, and there are little bars of, of them speaking. And then what's really cool is if I, as the host, hit my big red record button uh, on the screen, um, it then basically hijacks everyone's computer and starts recording from their computer up to the cloud, uh, a BBC cloud, in like one-second little clips or something. And because it's 
one little second packages it means it's really fail safe because then it it's reconstructed by some fairies or something up in the cloud i don't know how it works um and then you can download it and then you basically have everyone who is in the session uh, as a as a single track and it's all perfectly in sync well that's there's only one one record button ah uh, that's what i was going to ask how the lag with each of them works then. yeah there is there is a little bit of a lag or latency um but but it's it's yeah because you hit the record button and it starts recording from everyone's computer simultaneously so you can time. As, long as, as long as you then yeah as long as you then put everything at zero in your pro tools or whatever um it's all perfectly in sync anyway um the clever chaps in news obese who built this then had the idea of uh, doing virtual audience stuff. And so that's what we're doing now. It's taken months to kind of uh, perfect, but we're now doing um, virtual audience shows, um, which either the panellists are all like in a Zoom like you and I are, so that the people at home can see it. Yeah. Uh, and then they, the people at home who are invited to the audience or kind of get tickets for it, they join two things. They join the Zoom so that they can see the performers, and then they also join a prereq session so that we can record them. And uh, we're recording audiences of up to 500 people now, um, which is extraordinary. The first time we did it, it was mind-blowing. Um, so, uh, And now we're, we're actually doing it in the radio theatre. So we have the, um, the performers on stage. We film it with like a five camera uh rig which is really cool makes it look really professional so that that's the that's the main thing that's been uh, focusing me i i've been really at the forefront of doing that i'm the only person who can uh balance and mix and, and panel one of those shows and edit them um uh, but i am kind of standing on the shoulders of giants because it's it's the guys in news obs who have, who have built this um i just happen to be at the cold of the, the cold Using face. It, yeah yeah which is cool because they kind of they're they're not um they're not they're not uh, at the forefront of making programs so they wanted some fool like me to to actually do it for them uh so it's absolutely brilliant so so they they they're in some little underground bunker in Elstree, which is how I imagine it. And they they get the five hundred audience members come in on pre-rack, and then they basically send it to me on like an ISDN line, and I have it on a stereo fader. And then can the audience? So they're sat at home on the computer or whatever. Can they hear other audience members? So the people on stage can hear the audience. They yeah. can't see them, yeah. which is probably a good thing for the best yeah. um, and um but the but they can hear the audience at a slightly lower level but laughing and things um and and the audience at home can obviously see the performers and hear them and the audience can also hear each other which i think is really important well that's what i was wondering about i actually uh, i was in the audience for one of the early trials and you do feel a bit stupid sat in a room on your own going yay um or, or laughing uh uh, but you, the thing is, you've got headphones on, and uh, you—it just sounds like you're surrounded by people. Yeah. It's the weirdest, weirdest experience, um, and it is extraordinary. I mean, the only thing is that, unlike <clears throat> if we were doing a a show with a, a, an actual audience in the seats, uh, we've got microphones suspended above them, mm. lots of microphones. Whereas, if you do an online, a virtual online thing, you've got three four five hundred people who are all this distance from a microphone and uh in the early days we we were struggling a bit with some people who either had maybe a bit of headphone bleed or yeah, yeah. um or a noisy environment or um uh, people will take their laptop to next to the kettle and start boiling the kettle that's fun or or you hear <laughs> doorbells going dogs barking people just forget they'll say denise there's someone at the door and it's just <laughs> in the middle of a comedy show uh, we had one couple actually have an argument in the middle of a show and forgot that the mic was still on <laughs> um then, then we can kind of reconstruct it after the, the that's event that's fantastic but it's really and, good 
when did you start with that then? How how far we, back did you start doing them? We started, we did one that was an online one. Well, actually, the there's a show called uh, The Infinite Monkey Cage with mm-hmm. um, Brian Cox and Robin Ince, which is a panel show. And they started trialling that in uh, May, June, something like that. And then we in the comedy world, because strangely, although it's very funny, The Infinite Monkey Cage is not a comedy show. It's made by the factual team. Um, we picked it up and we did a show with Paul Sinha the, uh, from yep. The Chase. Um, and he did an online thing. So it was like a one-man stand-up show, but it was kind of bizarre. It was sort of like you or I just sat talking. Um, and we learned loads and loads and loads um, and made lots and lots of mistakes. Uh, but the first show that we did in uh, on on stage with a virtual audience was probably about beginning of September. So what's that? A couple of months ago, six weeks ago, no more than that. Um, so it's still incredibly in its infancy. I'm, I've done about um, six six main shows now with it on the stage, and every time I, I we kind of hone it a bit more. The first, the first time, uh, the audience was was fed into the room a bit too loud, so everything yeah. got a bit kind of roomy. And um, but uh, yeah, uh, we're kind of getting there now, which is great. So we've done, we did the Al Murray show. Um, we did um, um, there's a show called In Town with Mark Steele, um, mm-hmm. which is great. That was with um, 400 strong audience, so it's great. Yeah, we're doing loads, and I think radio comedy, which is the department that make radio comedy. Um, they've suddenly woken up to uh, – they were really, really reticent to start with. I think they were a bit nervous of change. I was going to ask about that, whether it was a direction on high, can yeah. you make this work, or whether it well, was you guys saying, well, oh, we could do this. Well, we had a we, we had a massive Zoom meeting with them back in uh, June or May or something, uh, and I think there were about 24 of them little boxes and they were all the 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 high and mighty of radio comedy that was producers of of not only radio shows but but television comedy and we were saying we've we've invented this amazing thing uh, that you can you can instead of because of lockdown um you we can't have audiences you can now have audiences and we played them some clips of some experiments and they're all kind of saying I don't think I'm not sure. We're just saying, honestly, it, there's, it's almost like if if someone was in prison and you turned up with like a lovely plate of roast beef and Yorkshire puddings and and put it through the bar, and the prisoner kind of says, uh, "I was hoping for some trifle or something." It's like honestly, we are literally handing this to you on a plate. Um, but but now they're now beginning to think now now that we're doing more and more like the Al Murray and Mark Steele and things and, and they're they're seeing them and they're thinking actually this is good this is mm. this is really good um, the the audiences sound pretty authentic it's not it's not perfect um, but um, so now we've got more and more and more and comedy have, have gone a bit crazy with it and they're now booking into the new year they're booking sort of the next series of the news quiz and the now show right. and also and just a minute as well uh, they're bringing back um so yeah loads of things going on it's Do really think, exciting is it has it partly been perhaps back earlier in the year there was a thought that this situation might not last much past yes 2020 absolutely. Yeah, Whereas yeah, yeah. now we're looking at it and thinking mm, we might not be in a more normal situation for a while. Yes, yes, and actually the extraordinary thing is that I didn't I didn't envisage is that if we go back to normal, I think this will be part of the the norm the new normal. Um, mm. I think I think that once we once we go back to some sort of normality and we we can all gather in auditoria auditoriums um, again. Um, I think they are going to carry on with some of this. This um, because it's it's what it's opened up is is in the past the radio theatre in the heart of broadcasting house is incredibly London centric. It's like we're making a, a comedy show. Come to London. You have to sit. You have to travel. You have to sit there and watch the show. Now it's opened it up to be hugely. Um, national or even international the audiences have to be in the uk because it's part of the the license fee and all that but but if if we do like a warm-up before the show starts you often say right who's listening from scotland and you know you get 
30 people call out and so you say well anyone more northern than Aberdeen or something and then there are people in Wales and Northern Ireland but also you if you're recording with your panelists on screen rather than on the radio theater stage they can be anywhere in the world we did a an international news quiz and we had a a panelist who was in india someone who was in america uh, i can't remember where the others were uh, someone was in europe somewhere and it's it's great it's opened it up it's it's huge and it's opened yeah. it up to certainly to audiences around the uk who who can just tune in and it's it's great because you 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 sit like here and you you watch a comedy show and if you want you can go and make a cup of tea as long as you remember to mute your microphone um and you can also get up and leave whenever you want. You know, if you've, if you've got to pick up the kids, you don't have to get up and sort of shuffle along a, 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 a row of chairs. It's great. You can, you can come and go as you want, or you can pop to the loo, and it's, it's very exciting. So the, the team that have uh, devised this, so I've, I've been spearheading it on radio, but they're now opening it up to uh, television, uh, who are very interested and it's it's really we're getting interest all around the world we get phone calls from canada and uh, all, all sorts of places but they're now making uh, qi with it and they're making mock the week with it and and what they're doing with mock the week is um they have a socially distanced real audience in the stalls um it's quite a big theater so i think they can seat about 100 sort of it's spread out and then they augment it with a virtual audience on top of 500 people and it's i don't know if you've seen mock the week or qi or one of those shows in the last couple of weeks or so but it will have been done with our virtual audience rig right. and it sounds amazing it's incredible it's um it's not quite the same it's sort of i kind of equate it to being like a really good piano synthesizer rather than having an actual Steinway Grand in front of you. But it's a damn sight better than comedy shows where they're just... With nothing. With yeah. nothing, which can be really awkward when they say, you know, and that, you know, Dominic Rabe, and then there's Ugh. just total silence. And it's... Did, yeah. did you have a bit of that at the start of lockdown then? I know a few of the TV... Not the start of lockdown, but the middle bit. I know a few of the TV shows tried that, and it was, yeah. it was the leaving the pauses for gags... It's horrible. Laughs that it? weren't there. Yeah, and it um, was really interesting to watch how people developed that kind of on the fly. Really. Yeah. Have I got news for you? Um, when audience lovers, and um, it's it was. I think it was quite a shock for audiences. I think audiences, viewers rather, kind of got got into it quite quickly. Um, but it's never quite the same because no. there is there is a um, there's a communal thing obviously about being in an audience and what you need is you need a couple of really good people in the audience who are really happy to belly laugh and they're not shy about laughing and it and and the audience goes up and up and up because it carries people up with them um the the trouble is um sometimes if you get a, a bad show um or as the production team say oh the audience weren't very good and you think actually the audience were fine so the show wasn't very good um <laughs> it can it can just drop lower and lower and lower if you don't have one of those people um but if you don't have anyone there at all it's 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 really difficult for the performers um they they're not really getting anything much from each other i think there was a an experiment when they were all especially in have i got news for you they were all trying to laugh at each other to sort of fill in that gap and it's sort of slightly awkward the the first time we did a an online audience show i think it was sarah pasco um was was on was it was an online version and uh, the producer said oh uh, thank you audience for joining us this afternoon or whenever it was um give me um, a cheer or a round of applause if you can hear me and the sound in your headphones of 400 plus people applauding and clapping and, and it being in really good stereo because we spread them around. Um, Sarah Pascoe practically fell off a chair because it's like she as a performer hadn't heard that for four months or something. So used to performing to, to live people had spent four months in quiet, empty rooms trying to be funny. Um, and it's, it's like, 
it was like injecting them again with with some comedy drug. It was just so brilliant, and immediately the the enthusiasm and the energy levels of the comedy just lifts because they know that they're they're being watched and listened to live, and people are actually sort of you know reacting to it. Mm. Just mm. great. It's very mm. exciting. It's all very good. So, so interesting. So I think. Um, I think there are going to be some shows going forward also that probably stick with the absolutely no audience thing. Um, the now show tried it, um, but, um, but no, I think it's going to be, it's going to be part of our world for quite some time to come. I think. Um, and the, th- the thing is it can't get interrupted. Can it, you know, we can, we can in my world. So it's sort of the live music and, yeah. and stage acting and all that kind of stuff. I was, yeah. It, I was out with an improv group just before lockdown doing great shows. I stopped. Um, I got signed up with an acting agent just before Christmas. Then we got married in January. So it's going to be, this is the year now wow. of all these auditions. Busy, busy. Obviously, obviously yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> it's starting to pick up again now. Yeah. Because um, are, you, are you playing live at all? I haven't played live since March. Wow. So the only stuff I've done has been the the live stream sort of uh, yeah. Facebook streams, yeah. which again is an area that has you've learnt the limitations of it, but people have really pushed it forward. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we we were and, actually, and we, sorry, we have a sorry we have a similar thing as you've mentioned with the fact that people have watched some of those shows who've never been to a real gig. Yeah, you know, something really interesting in that because they haven't been able to, or you know, yeah, childcare location, all the rest of it. Yeah. And you kind of think, I wonder if we'll still do these for in, in somehow, whether these are still going to be their own thing going well, forward. And I think they well, might I, be. Absolutely. I mean, if we'd all known in January, we A, we would have taken out shares in Zoom immediately oh, yeah. because, I mean, it's it's opened up the world. Um, but it, it's it's I agree. I think it really is going to carry on. We actually experimented a bit with, um, we record in the radio theatre, we record live lounges for things like, Radio One and One Extra and yeah. uh, Radio Two, and we get all sorts of people. And we had Kylie in and um, Sam Smith and various people, um, and we did experiment. Uh, not, not actually, but we we kind of discussed the possibility of using our virtual audiences for. So you'd have Sam Smith and a small socially distanced band, distanced band on stage, and you have a virtual audience. And um, we realised that there is there's a delay with the audience, so they can't sing along, they can't clap because it, it's completely out of time, um, and it's also slightly out of time with each other because there is a mm. slight kind of um, lag between them all. Mm. The um, we reckon the the virtual audience is about a third of a second late um which doesn't sound a lot but certainly in comedy terms if if a if an if a comedian lands an absolute killer punchline there is a slight tumbleweed moment before the audience react um which is sort of fine because in comedy we can tighten all that um and in, in fact if it's on a multi-track i can actually just slip the audience track slightly earlier uh, and then it's all perfectly in sync, but it yeah it doesn't work with live music at all. People can't join in. People no, can't we actually on. we in one of the early uh, experiments we we had a an audience of about twenty two of us, which at the time seemed unbelievable. Well, we've got over five hundred now, but um, and we we tried to do this thing of playing some music and getting people to clap along in time, and it was just horrendous. Just doesn't work at all, but. You know, there, there's always going to be limitations, but there are kind of openings and opportunities as well. You know, so. And have you tried? I'm guessing you haven't tried it live, live. We haven't tried it live, live. That may come at some point. Um, there is a little bit of kind of tidying up with it in mm. the edit in post production um, because of that thing of, of the kettle, some, the kettle, yeah, and and people sort of yeah bleeding headphones um but it it'll happen the other the other problem is that people are much more willing to heckle than because they're (laughs) i mean not not in a bad way but but they'll they're quite happy to sort of uh they'll just be oh that's bollocks yeah (laughs) that wasn't funny yeah exactly (laughs) i can't stand him but the, the, <laughs> yes, they just feel more, you know, as you do if you were sat here with a telly, microphone. Yeah. No one can see you, but they can hear you. 
you wouldn't you wouldn't shout that out in a auditorium of four hundred people, but they they're quite happy to online. But uh, and very difficult for the performer to uh, answer a heckle when it's five hundred yes. people who doesn't know who yeah. they are or where well, they are. I I always <laughs> say to the performers, um, if you if you hear something in the audience feel free to react to it if you want to make a feature of it but you can completely ignore it because because everything's being recorded on multi-track we can actually get just rid of it get rid of it and replace it with a different laugh or whatever or even a bigger laugh but um yeah so but it's 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 extraordinary it's a it's a brand new thing that has been forced upon us i mean it's the old um necessity is the mother of invention absolutely and, it, and it's like well we've got no audience we what can we do um and well that's what we've done which is i think pretty impressive really that's great and yeah. it's interesting how technology these things tend to happen just as technology is at the limit of being able to do it so as you mentioned zoom just on a personal benefit if we were on this lockdown thing five or ten certainly 15 years ago yeah how much worse it would presumably be because you wouldn't be able to keep in touch in the same way absolutely yeah yeah i mean our our our, our, our my my two daughters are in Lincoln and Southampton at university, and um, irrespective of the pandemic, it's great that we can all we can all zoom and we can all have this this human interaction. Um, but absolutely, we we were actually saying the other day that if this had happened even ten years ago, what we've achieved obviously wouldn't have been possible because things like there's a there's a scene in Blade Runner from about 1982 when um, Harrison Ford goes into a kind of a phone box and he has a little there's a little screen and he has a video telephone call with someone um, and I and I remember us all at the time thinking oh, this is mad this is like this is we'll all be riding around on hover boots and and living on Mars um, but it's what we're all doing now my uh, mother who is in her late eighties, doesn't she? She doesn't have the internet. She has a telephone and the and the television, and that's it. She doesn't. Um, I was saying to her that that we were. I was doing a kind of a video telephone call with my daughter, um, or she said, "Oh, what did you do at work?" And I said, "Oh, well, I recorded a, a comedy show." And she said, "Oh, right, was that in, up in London?" And I said, "No, it was it was here in my daughter's." bedroom because i'm doing it on screen and to actually try and explain to her the even in simple terms what we're doing you know like what you and i are doing now that that we can both see both hear each other um and looking at a screen it's just way beyond anything that we could have um, imagined 15 years mm -hmm. ago mm -hmm. it's very exciting so in a way strange though it is to say the pandemic came along just at the right time i mean literally the right year i'm sorry to interrupt the conversation at this point but i wondered if i could ask you if you might possibly consider subscribing to the podcast rating it and writing a review on your favorite podcast provider doing these wonderful things encourages the all-powerful algorithms to push the podcast to new people it's also helpful when i'm talking to potential future guests as it shows that people are listening thank you that's what I mean about the technology. It's weird how, how things... Because the technology isn't perfect yet, and I guess you guys have had to push the very limit of it and make it better. And yeah. from what I've seen, it's the, it's similar with the things I've been involved with as well. There's yeah. so many features of things. We're on Zoom at the moment. I am you know teach guitar lessons over Zoom as well. And it's almost good, but not quite. It yeah. does things to the sound, like you'll miss the first part of what somebody plays back to you when you're trying yes. to tune up their guitar, and there'll be the lag just at the minute you're listening. So all of those things aren't quite perfect yet, but the, hopefully the technology has been pushed forward, as you mentioned, by necessity. Absolutely, and I don't want to be too pompous about it, but uh, you could almost equate it to um this is gonna sound really pompous but it almost equate to what we're doing with what the beatles were doing with say the the sergeant pepper album in that they were really pushing the boundaries at the time right at the edge of it yeah yeah um but but the the technology was very limited and things like the stereo was you'd, you'd have ringo Starr's drum kit completely hard left um was that hard right um mm -hmm. and, and the rest of the band hard hard the other side um so they were experimenting with with stuff that that was 
they were doing stuff that was beyond the the time that that they were in, which I think is extraordinary. And that's sort of what we're doing. I mean, we we may you and I may look back in ten years' time and think how, how we kind of struggled with stuff. You know, ten years' time there may not be any latency. Ten years' time, you may may be able to reach into the screen and grab your pupil's guitar. I doubt it, but yeah, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. We, yeah, absolutely. It's really hard to to tell. And I love that analogy of the Beatles. I use the Beatles for analogies all the time. But just in a general creative thing, I always think with their story, it was the very talented people who all just happened to be at the right space in their career at that point that they yeah. met. And I don't just mean the Beatles. I mean the fact that George Martin had all this experience and. Yeah. And this studio, and, and he had this history of comedy producing, and yeah. the Beatles had a satirical comedy yeah. element to them. They weren't just a rock and roll band. And yeah. Had they worked with another producer, would it have borne fruit in quite the same way? It's hard to say, but everything just sort of seemed to fall into place, which is always interesting from a from the point of view of a creative. I know that it's not as simple as that because there was a lot of hard work going on and a lot of plugging away, obviously, behind the scenes. Yeah. But just for the right people to be at the right place in their careers. It's yeah, it's it's that absolute symbiotic sort of synchronicity, rather, that that moment of everything just comes together. And it's um, it is amazing. And, it yeah, it, it wouldn't have worked with – if any of the four of them had been different, yeah, if if – george martin have been different it, it's just brilliant it really is extraordinary i saw a documentary about the making of sergeant pepper and um you know abbey road and the studios there i mean equipped with lovely things and and all sorts of nice pianos and hammond organs and things and state-of-the-art mixing desk although you look back and it's pretty well incredibly basic um and it's the same as putting men on on the moon they yeah. say that the the technology that put men on the moon is now far less than than a person has in a mobile phone in their pocket you know uh it's just it's just brilliant but i think it's as you say it's more than just having um the technology in front of you because i think you could you could put anyone in a recording studio or whether it's a um music studio or a or a radio studio or a television studio but i think you need you need the right sort of people to pick up the ball and run with it really um and to think okay it it does this and that's what it it does now but what what can we make it do how can we make it better how can we make it it progress you know and limitations for creativity i think can be very important as well you know the the blank page or the endless tracks on your multi-track yeah. isn't necessarily as helpful as having a brief and you've got to write it in the next 90 <clears throat> minutes absolutely and, got, and it's, you've got a four a four track tape machine to get all your ideas on you yeah you know there's something about yeah, that that makes it work well i i sometimes less is more um and it's certainly certainly with something like sergeant pepper it it's it's incredible that that you it it's sometimes difficult not to listen to it with modern ears if you know what i mean that that you we're we're thrown at uh, because i make i make a lot of programs for radio too I, I make music programs um so i i sit and listen to lots and lots of modern modern music um and it's, it's music from the hit parade yes yes some platter from this year <laughs> from, a, from a great beat combo um but it's it's just amazing to to try and uh, imagine what it did to the world in 1967 or whenever it came out. I think it was then. Um, but it is amazing, isn't it? It's just great. It's just lovely to take something and mould it, whether it's music, whether it's a, uh, a radio show, whether it's you know a silly video that you've done online. It's it's exciting, and it's mm-hmm. really it's really nice when people react to it. Um, we do, we do in the comedy world. We do get some negative people on on sure. Twitter who who kind of say, "Oh, I don't think I like this canned laughter that they've obviously added afterwards." It's like, no, no, these are real people. It's actually happening now. But um, and people will say, you know, "Oh, bring back Jeremy Hardy who died two years ago," and it's like, <laughs> you can't. Technology is not quite there for that one. Yes, <laughs> give it ten years. No, um, I think. Uh, you can never please, especially with comedy, that really does um, galvanise people. It really sort of uh, – people 
either love or, or hate what you do. There's no kind of middle ground, you know. And do you think there's something in particular about that with radio as well? Because it's a very intimate format. People are listening to it at home, yeah. in the car, headphones, you know, it's yeah. doing, everything else isn't there anymore because you've got your cans on. Yeah. It, and people they get, feel an ownership of it because they, of that that's ownership. exactly it. And they get very cross if you muck about with that ownership. I mean, muck about with, with the format of a program at your peril um, because they absolutely hate it. We had um, Sandy Toxvig was the chair person, chairwoman of News Quiz for a number of years. Absolutely loved by everyone. Um, she then obviously left and went on to um, other things. Uh, and Miles Jupp, took the chairmanship and people said, Oh, who, who is this? It, this is the guy from Balamori is rubbish. And then give it a year or so. He is uh, in, as far as that show's concerned, a national treasure. Um, mm. And then he, he stayed for about four years and he left and they went through, they then made the program with a kind of series of um, guest presenters like they do with, have I got news for you? Um, and the, um, the anger towards some of some of the people you wouldn't i find it very odd that that people listen to a radio show and then get on twitter and and say this is appalling i thought you know whoever was absolutely terrible nish kumar is the worst thing ever you'd never go in a restaurant and and order a meal and then march into the kitchen and go up to the chef and say that that was a terrible i mean you and, unless it was really awful but you you wouldn't do it would you it's just there's something about uh radio especially i think television mm. too but radio especially that people really feel that they own it like you said i think it it's it it's in their car it's on the kitchen window um it's on their headphones on the train uh, and they they feel passionate about it which is a good thing mm. um, but it's uh it's you're never going to please all the people all the time especially with comedy i think i think almost more than any anything else people get so so cross about it so cross and they have a go at me i sometimes keep quiet that i work for the bbc because you know you go to a like a dinner party or something and uh, someone will say, oh, so what do you do for a living? And, uh, <laughs> oh, I drive a bus. No, I work in a bank, anything. Um, no, I, if, and you end up saying, oh, I, work, I make radio comedy for the BBC. And they'll say, oh, God, oh, I don't like this morning on ITV. And it's like, okay, that's ITV, <laughs> that's television, it's not even radio. And they, they, Again, you wouldn't do that with any other industry. It's like if someone said, oh, I'm a train driver, you wouldn't say, oh, I had a terrible train journey to Bristol the other day. Um, you wouldn't immediately latch onto that. It's such a strange thing. But it's, it is, um, it? yeah, I don't know if it's the same in the kind of music world. You know, if you, I mean, do you? what kind of music do you play? Do you play kind of rock stuff or folky stuff? So I, uh, it is a tricky one for me. I, focused on that folk scene quite a bit but i'm not completely folky so my sort of influences are the, the classic rock the beatles as you mentioned eric i basically wanted to be eric clapton in bands and then found that bands Good. were hard to keep together so i went out doing solo gigs with an acoustic guitar yeah um so yes and the, the folk circuit's a really interesting one it's very supportive there's a lot of online folk radio shows yeah there's a lot of publications yeah. and there's an audience for it yeah. there's also a lot of artists and, and yeah. you do kind of get into the impression where you're all sharing the same couple of hundred people for everything, which is interesting. Did, but, did, but would you ever get someone who came up to you at a gig and said, oh, I don't like that Eric Clapton song that you did? I mean, you, you probably don't as much as we do in the comedy world, do you? You, do, you get stuff like... Um, every, everyone's an expert, I think. I, I certainly yeah. used to find this starting out in music. And... And sadly to say, it happens a lot more to my female musician friends as well. It's that classic thing of, oh, well, you're using the wrong amp there, love. Oh, yeah. That kind of that kind of gear stuff. And interesting, there's been a bit of that with the live streaming as well. So, you know, we've all started live streaming on our iPhone and, and doing whatever. And yeah. then I know some people who've been put off from doing it because they're worried about the tech side of things because such and such an artist has three camera angles and really nice mics and everything. It's yeah. Like, well, yeah, fair enough. But they they can. Yeah. They don't have to, as long as the content's good. I've watched some of those technically brilliant live streams and they're dead boring. 
Whereas yeah. yours on your dodgy little iPhone is really yeah. engaging. It's yeah, it's really interesting how that kind of works. Really, um, yeah. I think I it's think... easy for people to to criticise things because of. It's interesting talking to an, a, a producer, audio person about it. Like with the podcast, when I started the podcast, I, I was very concerned about the sound all the time. Yeah, rightly so. And yeah. you really sweat the small stuff about all these little. Oh, there's a mouth click there. Does yeah. is that going to ruin things? And then you start to listen to the podcasts that I like. You're like, the sound shit on some of these. Oh, like, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, you know, and you kind of get to the conclusion as long as it's listenable, and as, I think yeah. it's the content is more interesting. Yeah. And then we've really had to go to a different thing now that we're doing everything over the thing because you'll be you'll be having a fantastic conversation over Zoom, and just at the most fascinating thing the person says is just when they have that robotic uh, signal drop thing. Yeah. yeah. And you can do stuff with that, but if what they were saying was really interesting, then it's probably okay to keep that in. Yeah, yeah. If it's, if it's yeah. not a whole hour's worth, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, we do that. We um, if we if we're doing uh, on any show, actually, you hear it on the Today program on Radio Four or on on oh, yeah. Jeremy Vine on Radio Two. If 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 there's someone that does has gone a bit robotic, we don't. Well, Jeremy Vine's live, um, but we don't really retake it because it, it's it's how it is, you know. Yeah, everyone accepts it. I mean, I say if it's unlistenable. But then the prime minister was from I don't know prime minister's questions the other day because he's having to isolate. I pointed mm. over there because the TV's over there. That's stupid. <laughs> uh, him is not here. I thought me. that was the way towards Westminster. <laughs> he's here way. now. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's isolating, so he was doing PMQs remotely. And it yeah. was dreadful. Like, is you think, oh, yeah. give him a decent internet connection, you'd have thought, yeah. and in number 10. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting that, isn't it? I think a lot of the time as, as a creative, you do spend worrying about those things. I talked to someone about it what? earlier, and I, I've kind of decided it's an ego thing sometimes yeah. in terms of yeah. wanting, you know, it must be absolutely perfect. People are going to judge me on this well, not you, being perfect. you must do that as well if you, if you ever record – uh, uh, something you know, you're playing the guitar. You're either recording it audibly or you're filming it. You, I mean, when when we were doing our silly music things, um, I I would endlessly play the the drum part again and again and again um, to try and get it absolutely perfect. And you think actually it doesn't need to be. It's it. I mean, as long as it's good enough, that's fine. It the unfortunately the way we did it was we um instead of just recording the audio and and which would be great because then if you muck up a section just do that bit again um but because we do these silly video videos of the, the little screens of us um we kind of film it and record it live i do do a little bit of kind of quantizing and move things onto the beat um but um i tried i tried recording the drum part and then sort of just sort of miming along to it but you know you play something different each time but um i forgot where i was going with that we were talking about boris not John- making things perfect i think and, and not sweating yeah. the small stuff about it. yeah but i'd be interested in how that fits in with the production side of it as well so when i'm making demos or doing a, a self-tape <clears> for an acting gig or whatever you yeah. fall into that trap of like oh i could do that one sentence much better so i'll do another take yeah and when you're working on your own, I think it's quite easy to fall into those traps. Oh, yeah. Whereas I spend the, hours doing it sometimes. You know, some, it's just whereas if there's hours, some, Yeah. If there's someone over your shoulder can say, no, no, take five was fine. Yeah. Just take five. Yeah. Yeah. No, is, it's it, fine. is it similar with your production work? Yeah, Maybe. it is. It's um, you, you just have to, I think sting once slightly pompously said something about you you never finish when you're in the recording studio you never finish a song you just abandon it at the optimum moment uh, which i think works for a lot of uh, a lot of areas and i think you can you could work on a radio program you could work on a song uh, forever um but i think you have to kind of you have to move on. You have to think, okay, that's done. It's good. It could be better. I could, I could be a better musician. Um, I could have played it better. Um, but it, it's, it's like I said, it's good enough, and it's, it's, it's fine. I when I was doing the piano part for nine to five, um, because I'm a piano player 
predominantly I'm, I'm a i play the drums i play the ukulele i play some other things but piano is where i'm at home i really struggled with playing the piano part for nine to five which is stupid because it's three chords it's a piece of piss it really is um and uh I spent ages just re-recording it or recording it over and over again, thinking, well, I cannot do this. Um, mm. And and I eventually thought, I'll, I'll try and cobble together the best of all the takes I've done. And I put it together, and it was all sort of fine. And then put it in the mix, or, or Pete, the trumpet player, put it in the mix. And you listen back, and you think, actually, that's pretty good. That's all right. It's, I mean, it's 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 really fitting. It's It's, I think... I think if, when you're on your own, especially with this kind of mad, crazy multi-track world that we're all living in now, you tend to hone in on that one thing, on that piano part. Whereas, like as we were saying, the Beatles year, years ago, they probably all played on their albums in the same room. Um, I mean, I, I know a lot of bands do that. People like Elbow will record in in the same room, all all sort of isolated, but they're all seeing each other. It's a live performance. And yeah. then it's absolutely it's all it's fine to play the odd as long as it doesn't make a horrendous noise. It's odd to play the the odd bum note here and there, you know, be slightly have you, seen, have you seen that great website that lists some of those Beatle mistakes <laughs> that make it into things? So there's one is it's um You Won't See Me, I think. Oh yeah. From Rubber Soul. And I think Paul mostly did that on his own. And there's actually loads of things in that, like the, a tambourine comes in for a bit and then stops. Yeah. And there's a bit where you can hear a tambourine being chucked on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> there's I love a bit it. of talking in the background. But it's like because they were doing it all dead quick. And like it was yeah, like, yeah. yeah, it's all right. They're not yeah, thinking not- someone's going to listen to the remastered version of this in 60 years. Yeah. <laughs> no, but absolutely. I mean, the trouble is when you listen to some sort of like modern, uh, as we were saying, modern music. Modern music. Um, um, you you know, some Rihanna thing. It's all so incredibly clinical and precise and perfect. Um, it's, I mean, some of it may even be not real musicians, but... Um, it, it's um, the stuff that is is so precise that it it becomes slightly soulless. You know, I yeah, mean, not I, human. I don't. I, yeah, I don't need to tell you that. Um, I was going to ask when you edit your podcast or whatever you're editing. What, what do you edit on? So I have an incredibly simple setup at the moment for various reasons. So usually I'm using Audacity. It's Which is brilliant. I use Audacity. Yeah, it's and it's been fun. It's been a, a learning curve. So my story is basically I did an A level in music tech. <laughs> yeah. So I have some music tech knowledge. And then all I've always had really crap equipment for reasons of money and spent my money on going into sort of mates' home studios and slightly posher studios over the years. So I've only ever really demoed stuff. And again, limitations. I've made fairly in depth demos on Garage Band on an iPad and all this yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah which are never going to sound fantastic, but for getting your ideas down, they're all right. Yeah. Um, and then I say with the podcast, it's been all, it's been audacity. Because yeah. you're editing two tracks, basically. That tends to work out okay. Absolutely brilliant. I love it. So I've got here I've got um, Pro Tools, uh, which is obviously very powerful, um, and Sadie, which is another digital editor, which you may know. We use it at the BBC a bit. Um and and I've got Audacity, and I I really use Audacity sometimes. That's interesting. So, so I'll, I'll have Pro Tools up. I've got a big big screen in front of me as well as this one, um, and I'll be working on something, and I'll be multi tracks and all sorts of stuff. Um, but if someone like I might be sent, the producer might send me a a, a piece of music, and and they want me to make a. Uh, a sig tune out of it so you have to find the instrumental bits or cut the vocals out i always open a new audacity window because you just drag and drop it um which is so easy and some of the plugins in audacity are just brilliant i've just recently discovered there's one at the bottom of the list which is um you can remove the vocals which is amazing uh and there's also a vocal isolator so it removes everything other than the vocals um ah, okay. which is brilliant it's great but for editing it's just so simple the kind of sort of swipe delete and everything sort of butts up it's really cool and is that what you find because it's interesting that you would use that when you've got the pro tools there it's just yeah. a simplicity with audacity yeah just yeah i think i think pro pro tools is quite um uh it's pro tools is like having a jumbo jet on your drive and sometimes you just want to nip to the shops for a pint of milk and you don't know don't know where that analogy came from. i love it that's great you you know what you you know what i mean the the audacity is just 
a simple it's a runaround. Yeah, decent Vauxhall Cavalier. I can't think of a, a yeah, um, but it's <laughs> it's it's really good. I like it a lot. No, I'm just quite interested because we we at the BBC. Um, the drama department and the comedy department went down the Pro Tools route, and that's what mm. we use. And it's and it's an incredibly powerful tool. Um, the factual team uh, went down the Sadie route, Studio Audio Digital Editor or something, I think it stands for, um, which is all right. It's a bit old-fashioned now. But I'm always fascinated by what people use outside because there's things like, um, uh, what have I got here? Logic Pro and well, uh, Logic would be my ambition. We're so the the rough plan at the moment is we're in the process of selling this flat and moving into a house, so I'll have a bit more room. Yeah, and I'd like to have a better setup there. And I, I kind of hopefully going down the Mac and Logic route. Yeah, mainly because the guy I've done most of my recording with his home studios, uh, Logic and Mac. Yeah, powered. So I just feel fairly comfortable. Although my A level was all um, Cubase. Oh yeah, yeah. So Windows um, and Cubase, which which yeah. was you know was good yeah. actually was fine. Uh, Reaper as well, I've got which is good. Reaper. If you know Reaper, that's good. Garage Band, that's you know usual. But um, no, there's some really good ones. If you can afford the money, sorry, there's builders talking. If you can afford the money, uh, a Mac is just stratospheric. Um, it's just lovely. I, I mm. adore my Mac. It's yeah, it's not cheap, but it's uh, no. it's very nice. But it's uh, yeah, so it's 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 just interesting to know what people people use. Um, but it, I think I'm probably guilty of this. You fall into this trap of being like, "Well, I couldn't do that because I haven't got the gear." But as what we've been talking about, actually, no, you only need very basic stuff because yeah. the other one at the moment is is with the acting stuff, um, uh, self tapes, voice tapes, yeah, and the idea of possibly being able to do remote voice work. Yeah, and my oh, I haven't really got this out for that. I said, well, I have, and it probably wouldn't take much to get decent at doing that. I wouldn't have thought, and no. how useful that could potentially be to be able to do it as well. Yeah, well, well, there's there's those. You know, it, everyone now is is making albums on a laptop in their bedroom, uh, which is really cool. I mean, and uh, what's that microphone you've got there? Is that an SM58? This is a fifty-eight. Yeah. yeah, I mean, classic. You can't get better than that, really. I bought yeah. this microphone off Amazon uh, in uh, January or something. Um, 62 quid. I don't even know what it is because I can't really read the writing on it. It's called a, something, yeah, through or something. Um, but it's lovely. It's absolutely rubbish. If if I stick it inside my acoustic piano, it distorts like hell. Um, mm. But it's for, for kind of podcasting stuff and speech and just – talking to you now um it's pretty decent really um and what about gear uh, uh, at work then in the bbc like is there a range i guess there must be a range of mics at your disposal for yeah. certain things or is it a pretty standard setup depending on what the, no, we're, the genre we're, show is we're quite uh we're incredibly lucky really um especially in the radio theater we have a cupboard with with hundreds of microphones and uh because we have bands in so you have you have to have a decent kick drum mic and um uh we have i don't know probably a dozen sm58s it is a, a i have to say it's a, a massive playground for a techie person it's just amazing um and we have yeah we have other kit we've got a fairly decent guitar amps in case anyone turns up who needs it um we got a drum kit under the stage i think a proper acoustic kit um but yeah all the all the mics all the stuff we have um incredible mixing desks um i think we have one of the biggest ones in europe which is a uh, an ssl desk um beautiful digital desk it's actually slightly old now it's been it's about 13 years old and in digital terms that's actually quite ancient but it, it's absolutely beautiful um and it, it's it's balanced all sorts of people from from muse to deep purple to you know all sorts of kylie the other day um it's uh, yeah it's very good it's very versatile so we are incredibly lucky and i'm aware that some of my freelance uh chums who work outside the bbc are actually far more tech savvy than i am because if if they have a piece of kit and it breaks or they need to repair it or do something with it they've got to do it themselves whereas i can phone up our, our lovely bbc engineers and say 
desk not working can you come fix it please and they'll come in overnight and sort of fix it for you or they'll come in there and then um so we are a little bit spoiled we are i mean to to use that jumbo jet analogy you know i i've probably got a the best lear jet on my in my world than i could ever imagine and it it also being a musician it is incredible that that i have access to some of the most beautiful mixing uh studios not just the mixing facilities but the actual studios soundproof rooms some of which have got steinway grand pianos in and you just think this is not bad you know up at maid of hell there are there are rooms with Hammond organs and Fender Rhodes and I sit at the 96 channel uh, digital mixing desk in the radio theater and feel incredibly honored and 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 proud and and pleased as punch to be able to sit there because other people would kill to 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 be where I am you know I mean some people wouldn't and would not want to touch comedy and radio shows with a barge pole but I I think it's 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 a fabulous place to to work the other thing i'll let you go in a minute the other thing that i do a lot of which i've picked up in the last four or so years is um i do a lot of lighting in the radio theater oh um, cool which is very cool because um i thought oh i can do that it's mixing desks it's lights on mixing on on faders you know it's the same sort of thing as sound little did i know that it's it's a completely different world because I, 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 rather like an idiot, thought that um, in the radio theatre we have a, a, I mean, it's three quarters of a million pounds worth of lights up in the in the ceiling, and uh, I thought they're all the same, uh, but they're not. They're all different, and they all do different things. As like, for instance, a, a SM58 is different to a. a uh, 414 or a km84 or a different microphone that you would use and and you and i know what a what a sm58 is good for uh, um and i know what mic is good for a kick drum and what's good for a snare drum and what's good for an overhead on a drum and what's good for a guitar amp and all of those things um it's the same with lighting all the lights up it up in the ceiling do different things there are spotlights and there are there are sort of warm lights and there are movers and and there's haze that you can do um but anyway so it's taken me years to learn how to do it but i'm now doing uh some of the really big gigs we had a banding there's a band called idols who are mm-hmm. very popular with the young, the um, young people yeah yeah they're, yeah they're a bit punky um and they came and did a half hour set for uh six music or was it one extra no, six music, I think. Um, and I lit that, and uh, it was great. It was, I mean, it's like lighting a proper gig. Um, with with um, it, It's also quite nice having my musical background because I actually spent a weekend listening to their tracks uh, and working out where the hit points were so I could literally hit, hit lights and make things move. Oh, and, brilliant and do some interesting stuff. So that's, that's another thing that that's really taken off in the last couple of years. So it's amazing uh, years into my career when I should really be kind of slowing down. Um, uh, I'm just doing more and more interesting stuff because I can't, I can't just sit back and make some boring sort of radio for chat show. I have to sort of keep pushing and doing new stuff. Brilliant. And how great that you're, you know, there are these always these opportunities. However long you've been doing something, it's like, well, I'll try a bit of lighting then. And <clears> as you've been mentioning with the the virtual, the the social distance audiences and all mm-hmm. that, there's always new things to learn and new things to make up as well. It's brilliant. Yeah, it is really good. And I I think I I came to the conclusion about four years ago that that I had to adapt. Even then, pre COVID, I had to kind of adapt and realise that I wasn't just working in a uh, a recording control room that just happened to have a theatre attached to it. I work in a theatre, and therefore I need to get involved in lighting and venue managing and uh, a bit of kind of um, uh, VR stuff and all sorts of stuff. It's just great. I like to do stuff that has a sort of a, a, a an artistic element to it, which is great but because and, I'm I'm not just a fader pusher. I, I really you must involved. meet. Meeting a lot of people as well, comedians, producers, yeah. musicians, 
Yeah. And I, you know, I would guess as with all these things, there's great experiences there, average yeah. experiences, and not so great experiences. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, just because someone's famous doesn't mean that they're particularly nice. Um, most people are utterly glorious. Um, I'm years and years ago, I got over the the uh, the feeling of oh my god, you're famous. Um, now, it's very important when someone comes into a studio that that we aren't. Um, we don't we don't sort of lovey up to them because they're 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 not in a, a public environment. They've come yep. they've come behind the BBC doors to to be at work to and do it's a job. Therefore, yeah. It's therefore important for us to just treat them like normal people. But occasionally, you do find yourself. There was an extraordinary moment. I was in Radio Two, and I was queuing up at the coffee machine, and and in front of me was the band the script um behind me was elton i mean this sounds like i'm name dropping well i am uh, behind me was elton john and um and then who was it someone else came up to me and actually spoke to me oh uh, noel fielding from uh, the mighty boosh and and uh, he was in for something and i'd worked with him before and he came over and said oh hello mark and i just stood there and thought this is such a weird world mm. this is really bizarre I, I i did a show once with um elton john and he had some special guests in the radio theater and i had to go into the dressing room and then someone said oh could you take everyone's photo so i gathered them all in a group and there was there was elton john <clears throat> paul gambaccini joe nama trading uh michael palin for some reason not really sure why he was there um and about two or three other a-list celebrities and i actually said to them as i was taking the photo i said this is crazy i said i'm the only person in this room that i've never heard of which is absolutely true but just mad just <laughs> crazy but um but and, and i've only been slightly starstruck a couple of times um genesis came showing my age now genesis came in once uh and uh that was a few years ago and that was quite exciting i thought wow you know Tony Banks and uh, Mike Rutherford and things. It was that was cool, um, but yeah, it's good. Most people are lovely. Some mm. people aren't, mm. but um, I think I think the lovely ones are the ones that that understand everyone's role, and they they realise that they need to be nice to people on the way up because they'll meet them on the way down, as they say. But um, you know, but I think it's the same in every walk of life. If you go in a shop, you know, you, some shop assistants are absolutely delightful. Some are a bit sort of, you know, there's there's your thing. I think it's the same with with celebrities. You know, my limited experience, it's the it's the good people tend to be quite nice because they yeah. don't have too much to prove. Where it's the people who are a bit unsure of themselves because they maybe aren't <laughs> that great. Yes, absolutely. There there are those who are a little bit. Um, fragile in their mm. world and i often say to my wife al you know oh i'm working with whoever today and uh and she'll say what do you reckon nice or nasty and it's like i'll, I'll report back and you know and almost 90 percent, 95 percent of the time you can come home and you say they, they were absolutely delightful and you you i could imagine that they would be and then they were which is you know really mm. nice mm. but and of but course you know Everyone's human. It depends what day yeah. you catch them on yeah, as yeah. well. That's there, was, there was a lovely one. I did a, a, um, a recording session with the band Foles. You know Foles? Really nice guys. They turned up at um, uh, Six Music to do a live session. And uh, my daughter is absolutely mad. She has posters all over the place of Foles now. Um, so I phoned her up and said, I'm doing a session with Foles. And she, she said, oh, my God. Um, first of all, she actually said, can I come to it? And I actually had to say, not really, because, you know, again, it's that thing of they, them being behind the doors and, and being at work. They don't really want a 19-year-old girl. Well, they might do. Um, <laughs> pestering them. Um, but what was lovely is the guitarist called Jimmy um i think um just went outside for a cigarette and i went outside i don't smoke but i went outside with another colleague and we just stood there for 20 minutes talking mm -hmm. about um actually we were talking about the fact that when Foles played glastonbury i think last year um jimmy smith uh that was his name the guitarist uh, cut his hand whilst he was playing guitar and his t-shirt and his guitar got absolutely covered in blood and it was quite kind of it was quite the talking point on social media so we were talking about that and he said oh it's nothing it was uh, i kind of nicked my thumb 
it looked horrendous, but it yeah. was just like when, um, and I, I was just standing there thinking, I'm talking to Jimmy Smith, who's not the biggest star in the world, and he's a guitarist in a in a rock band, but he he's played Glastonbury, and so many people would again would kill to be stood here, and you think I'm never going to be, I'm never going to tire of the privilege of what I have at the BBC. Okay, Mark, thanks so much. That was really fascinating. Thanks for taking the time to chat to me. My if pleasure. people wanting to to sort of keep in touch with the projects that you're working on, where's the best place to do that? Well, the the silly music things that we've been doing online, the lockdown band, um, we call ourselves the Studio Manglers. Um, not my name. Someone else came up with that. Uh, and actually, you can find us online, and the website is www.google.com co.uk and all the information is there um but if you type in the studio manglers uh, will pop up on youtube and you can watch us doing our nonsense stuff B- uh, bbc sounds is where a lot of the bbc shows are happening um look out for i think it's called be on a show uh, you can google and you can be in the audience of one of the virtual shows and it's great you can sit in your pants and watch a comedy show and laugh along Without being thrown out, which which may have happened, <laughs> had you done it in the actual theatre, it is great. I know absolutely. You can you can wear whatever you like. I I've actually just edited an entire series in my slippers, uh, which I'm, <laughs> I'm aware is not particularly rock and roll, but um, it's something that I would not have done in the past pre lockdown. But it's great. I can sit here in my slippers. Um, the dog sits behind me, uh, and uh, it's lovely. The commute's easy as well. Yeah, I wonder how spoiled we're going to be when it goes back to to travelling around all the time. I don't know. It's it's a weird one. You you miss what you haven't got. I think. So for parts of the start of the lockdown, just being able to do everything at home was fantastic. It is amazing. But now it's like I'm almost missing being on the motorway and staying in a travel lodge to play some (laughs) shitty gig somewhere. You know, you never thought you would. But maybe you you could sort of make your flat look like one and walk around (laughs) the block and then arrive. Yeah, there could be a bit. Go and sit in the car in the car park for three yeah. hours. <laughs> Just sitting in the traffic jam. Great. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. Join us next time on the Robert Lane Creative Careers Podcast. Until then, please subscribe, rate and review, and have a look at robertlanemusic.co.uk to see the other projects I'm working on. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye.